be talking about the NBA Finals and the soccer finals that are coming up this weekend. Starting off with the NBA Finals, the Suns are up 2-0 on the Bucks. What have you thought about this series so far? Um, I've, I've definitely thought that uh, it's gone exactly the way the Suns, the Suns have planned it, and um, it shows like not. It's not a surprise to me that Coach Budenholzer just hasn't has failed to make any any sort of adjustments to um, help help prevent, especially that pick and roll to DeAndre Ayton on defense, and um, they they just haven't outside of Giannis just haven't been able to find consistent offense and. If if you're gonna give the Suns that, I mean, they're might as well just gonna take that double digit win. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has definitely been an X factor, but I also think it's it's interesting on what we saw in Game Two, where where the Bucks role players weren't able to, or not role players, but the the other two stars weren't able to get involved at all. And yeah, uh, I just I feel like Middleton and Holiday had just been so inconsistent throughout the playoffs, and it's killing the Bucks like. They look like true all stars in that Hawks series, and now they they they're just terrible right now. And I don't know if it's the pressure or what, but especially from Middleton, he's been inconsistent all throughout. Yeah, he he had a high of twenty nine in in game one. I mean, not not a high. Uh, I don't know if that's like his playoff high or whatever, but it it was the team. No, yeah, high. he he woke up in that second half of game one, but the, yeah, especially that game two. Game two was just terrible for him, and and yeah. credit to Giannis because there there had been a lot of criticism of him throughout the playoffs, and and I I I believe I was I mean I was pretty critical of him through the playoffs as well because he wasn't uh, making shots that you would expect him to make like the jump shots and the the stuff outside the paint. He's making a lot of layups, and that was accounting for most of his points. But I felt like we saw a truer version of him in game two, like a more MVP uh, season, which we've seen in the past when he was making um, all kinds of shots, not just uh, paint points, which which I thought was a huge plus for the Bucks as well. Yeah, that, it definitely shows that his confidence is going up, and I, I, I do like him taking those shots. It's just that, one, the free throws are an issue, but two, he, I mean, it just seems like his team just isn't awake. Like, I think... Like they gotta realize, like this is it. This is your one chance to win the finals. Because I'm not counting him out for the next few years, but the the East is just gonna get that much tougher, and the Bucks are just playing like it's just another game, regular season. We're just here to play and leave. But I, I think they 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 still have a chance. They're only down two zero. Um, and Game Three is a must win, obviously. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's not gonna get easy. Uh. You got an injured Hawks team coming around, and and I know you were without Giannis, but uh, you you had the other two players in Middleton and Holiday playing like all stars in in that game, and then you got you you knocked off the Nets, which I wouldn't expect that to happen again. Which let's be real, with the fully healthy Nets team, it's going to be a lot harder to beat what the Bucks had to face. So I think both of those are going to be storylines for next year, but. For the Bucks right now, your squad is fully back. Your your so called injured player is playing at his level, so yeah. there's no excuses. And to your credit, uh, point to your uh, your free throws. The rest of the team was four for five from the line, and they had 23 total free throws. So Giannis was 11 for 18 at the free throw line. 
he took 18 out of the 20, 23 total free throws for this team, which which is an unbelievable stat. And and I know there's a little bit of like hacking, but why wouldn't you hack it when you can get seven points off the board? Yeah, I think um, I I'm not sure. Other than down the stretch, obviously, it's not much of a strategy for the Suns. Other like I like I said, other than down the stretch, but yeah, the Bucks. Other than Giannis, just they they couldn't get to the line in game two. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of shooting fouls. Only there's only what about thirteen it looks like for the Suns and compared to twenty three for the Bucks. But yeah, I feel like the Bucks they just weren't attacking. They're just they're taking these um these low percentage shots and it it, it just, it's not turning out for them, turning out well for them. Excuse me. And uh like um like we saw in the Atlanta series, they were they were able to create plays, get Brook Lopez on the pick and pop. Um, Drew Holiday was able to create his own shot, and I just there's none of that in this series, and that's credit to uh, Monty Williams and and his and his squad for coming out strong defensively and. Proving to this to the NBA, I mean, like, there's a way around this Bucks defense. Like, they may have those three Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis defensively, but if if you if Coach Budenholder can't Budenholder can't uh, game plan around that, yeah, it's that's it's gonna be scary. Yeah, I mean, the Suns are also facing injuries with and Tory Craig went down, but also uh, Sarge Torres ACL. He's done for the series, so. It really, it, it's the Bucks had to capitalize on that, and 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 how they played in these first two games is they played into the Suns. I feel like they're trying to kind of mimic what the Suns are doing, but the thing is with that is the Suns' offense is so different, and the, those guys that are shooting the uh, what I'd call a low percentage shot, which really is that mid range and beyond the arc it's much lower than inside the paint in, in that sense. And, and I felt like to your point, the Suns would take those and knock those down. And the bucks would be like, we need to get those three points back right now and force a three instead of staying patient and, and giving it to the guy that's working. If, if Giannis is working, you got to just keep feeding him the ball. And I, I just felt like that wasn't happening. Yeah, exactly. And, the Bucks, I I feel like they they they're relying not they're not relying on uh, enough on Giannis because I mean from these first two games like the rest of the team maybe with the exception of Connaughton and Lopez they, they hasn't shown up to play and if if, if that's going to be what it is um they, they just got to trust Giannis and give him the ball most of this game because and just and make him create plays for Middleton and holiday because that if that's what what it's going to take to win you got to do it is the finals yeah i think another x factor for the bucks has been uh bobby portis he's kind of come off the bench and and delivered in a few of these games and he has he uh struggled in that game too yeah i mean he only got five minutes of playing time and that's again that i think that falls back on coach coach mike budenholzer i mean you're not you're giving portis most of the most playing time one game, fans are engaged with him. Then the next game he's playing five minutes and putting up two shots. So it's it's just a thing where the Bucks as as a team, they're just gonna have to figure out their game plan, whether that's attacking, 
playing conservative, which I think it has to be attacking in game three now that you're in a position down 0-2 because they're making they're just making no adjustments and they're they're hurting on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the the Suns have been able to capitalize as we kind of transition to talking about them because I feel like the Bucks they have had a lot of offensive woes and and the Suns have won both games with this with 118 points, which I thought was a pretty interesting as well. You don't really see that back to back games with the same amount of points, but that's what they did and and they protected home court so. Uh, Chris Paul said it, and I think it's important that they're wary of it. He said uh, in his post game after game two that it's not easy to play in Milwaukee. They have a lot of loyal fans, and, and it's going to be loud there with the whole fear uh, deer district thing that they got going on as well. And so I, I think that focus for me brings me a lot of confidence that the Suns can take at least one of those games, and, and I don't think uh, the Bucks have a LeBron-style comeback in, st- in stock for them. So I think if it gets to 3-1, this series is safe to be over. Yeah, I think ultimately it's it's going to shape up to be like that. I think the Bucks win, um, win on Sunday, Game 3. I think that the Suns will take one in Milwaukee and make it 3-1, heading back to Phoenix. It just seems like the Suns want it more. Chris Paul's playing like... He he's playing like this is this is like this is the finals like he should be playing. While this Bucks team, with the exception of Giannis, like we've been saying, just hasn't woken up yet, and that's got to happen soon. Yeah, Paul leading the leading the charge really, and like you said, when you get to the next round, you have to have another level. You have to keep building and building because if you take a step down or you stay the same, then they're gonna get to you and. Game two, Paul didn't score as many points. He he still shot at 50% from the field, which I thought was pretty fantastic. But he got people involved in other ways with this assist, just spreading the floor. And I think that's what's so important. And in our last podcast, I think we talked a little bit about how the Suns were playing too much one-on-one ball. And and it could hurt them in in the Clippers series. And that's why we had the Clippers uh, winning winning that game six because we thought the Clippers were playing too much one-on-one, and, and I feel like they've adopted a much different uh, style, especially in this finals, and especially in game two, where you saw Chris Paul and Devin Booker like getting trapped or getting uh, caught up, and then they stop, and they find the other guy for the other guy to make the shot, and a team basketball, and that, that was so important for them to play well as an offensive unit, and I think that they've executed on that perfectly. Yeah, right, and and you look at guys like Mikal Bridges and uh, Campaign Cam Cam Johnson, like you like you said, they they're all getting involved. Bridges had what twenty four, twenty seven, game two, and that and that just shows the the unselfishness of Booker and and Paul getting the ball distributed to to the open man, and that's key because to to win a basketball game, really, you just got to have good ball movement, make to get that offense to flow, so. That's 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 just why this this Suns team is is succeeding as a whole because they're they're playing as a team, and this Bucks team just has no response to it. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton had double doubles in both of the games so far. I mean, he's been a double double machine throughout the playoffs, 
you got an what, what do you think you think deandre Eaton pulls another double double here in game three yeah i think he does i don't i don't know if there's really any stopping him grabbing from, uh, from grabbing rebounds you know i think the one thing that the bucks can work on though is um is that pick and roll game i, I like i i wrote an article about it i think that either it's going to be have to be Lopez staying back on the screen, or it's they're going to have to have a, a quick switch, whether it's Giannis or Middleton guarding the guarding the um, Booker or Paul. But I think that Aiton does ultimately go for a double double again. He's just been so dominant; he's been on a tear. Yeah, I think when you look at the film, like Giannis stepping up for that outside shot because they do the. The, I know other teams will do it at the free throw line, like the Mavericks, and I think the Clippers have done it plenty of times as well. They'll they'll bring the screen up to the three-point line. So if you go under, they have a free shot at a three-point attempt. The Suns like to do it around the elbow because that's kind of CP3 spot, and, and I, I, I would think it would be pretty safe to say that Booker makes a lot of – that's a high percentage shot for both of them, right? Yeah, I, yeah we, I can agree on that. Yeah, so I think when they put it there – it helps them uh, kind of spread it out, but I would much rather have Giannis stepping up. And I feel like when Giannis does step up, because I think they, they're automatically forcing the step up, it makes Chris Paul either jump into a bad shot or have to start the play over. I think the Suns key is to try to find Brooke Lopez, which to their point, how, how do you stop that? If, if you, if you pull Brooke, Brooke, excuse me, if you pull Lopez out, I mean, he he's stuck. They can't just switch Giannis and Lopez across the paint. It's just not going to work. So, to their credit, it works because they are much comfortable moving past Lopez than they are moving past a much more defensive Giannis. Yeah, Lopez. I mean, he he's a versatile center, and um, offensively, he did a great job in Game One. Not so much in Game Two. So I feel like. Um, what what the Suns are gonna have to do? You can't really stop him offensively. I mean, he he's gonna get that three ball regardless, and he has a nice pump fake to get Aiton to draw in that. And I think it's that's just virtually unstoppable unless you have a, a versatile center to match him. But um, I think that the only way you can contain him is by occupying the paint. You let him shoot that three ball. Yeah, he can get hot from it, but it's a lower percentage shot than just an easy lay. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, it, it's gonna it's a problem for the Bucks, and it's definitely something that they're gonna have to watch some more film about. I mean, uh, when Devin Booker scores seven three pointers on you, you have to start thinking about what you're gonna do, and and you you can't beat a team when they're dr- when they're scoring like that. Um, yeah, it, it's every every like the the Suns get out to a fast start. And they, they get up double digits and then come to the third quarter. They're still on a run. Then it's been every – both games, I mean, the, the Bucks make a fight, but the Suns have a response every single time the Bucks score. So I'm not sure – there's not much you could do about it unless you make some sort of big adjustment. And that's what the Bucks, like I've been saying, they, they got to do that. And um, it's just crazy how every time you think the Bucks are about to climb back, the Suns just say, nope, well, we, we got them. Like game over, yeah. And the Suns had an eight point lead at the half in game one and an eleven point lead at the half in game two, and and it just feels like they're in control of this both of these games. Like it never felt like for a second 
they didn't have control over it, which I think is the scary part for the Bucks. I mean, they just weren't ready for this game, and that, yeah, that's just what clearly. it felt like. Yeah, so we transition it as the Bucks take on the Suns here on Sunday, I believe, right? Yep. Game yeah, three so on Sunday. Game three is on Sunday, and that will be a turning point in the series if the Suns win. If the Suns win regardless in, in Milwaukee, it's going to be very hard for the Bucks. Yeah. They have them in a it's prominent three, position. Or three, right yeah, 3-0 would would I think increase the chances of uh of Yeah, a then I yeah, you can call it over. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. This is no matter what a decisive game in this series. See whether the Bucks can turn things around as we transition into this weekend. There is plenty of things going on if you're trying to find it. But most important event besides the SBs would be the Euro Championship, and then I think most people around the world, and mainly in Southern America, Southern uh, South America, will be watching the Copa America final, which also happens to be on Saturday, which is tomorrow. So let's start off with that one: Argentina playing Brazil. Uh, both teams have been playing uh, pretty, pretty well. Safe to say, the Brazilian team seems uh, just a little bit less like on a heater than what Argentina has been playing. Argentina has won most of their games decisively throughout the tournament, except for the opener versus Chile and their last game against Colombia, where they had to win on PKs. But for Brazil... Or, or the real storyline is if Messi can win his first international tournament. Yep, exactly. And, and I think that I, I think he already right now in, in the world's eyes, it's it, he's already the goat. But he wins this national international tournament, and it takes the only really like real argument you have against him completely away. So, I mean, yeah, I, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think yeah, um, Copa America. If he wins this, is that's going to be the decider in many people's goat conversations between him and Ronaldo, because it's it's huge. Like I mean, obviously, you can argue that um, the that the Euros are more challenging. There's more talented teams, and then the Copa America. But I mean, the Copa America is still tough with teams like Uruguay, Colombia, and Brazil. Obviously, yeah, I mean. It's it's hard to uh the the Euro seems the Euro is a tougher tournament because of the talent level there but but a lot of these players from the other leagues and and from the Premier League and other leagues are going to play in this and there it's safe to say if you put an All Star team on both sides of the field together it would be an interesting match I'm not I wouldn't be inclined to lean towards a dominating Euro win if you were to take to do that, make an all team for both sides, which I think validifies the Copa America being a solid tournament. I think it's a lot more. These are the top two tournaments, though, in uh, yeah, the Confederation tournaments, which includes like the Gold Cup and and I'm not sure what the other ones are for Asia and Africa, but I do know that they do have these tournaments. These are the top dogs. Yeah, and. 
you can't really argue with the competition there. I mean, a player can't can't control like what country you really play for. Yeah. But um, like like going back to that uh Messi Ronaldo debate, like tomorrow is a big game for Messi. Um, this Brazil team is it's it they're pretty good. Obviously, headline with Neymar, players like Danny Alves. It's 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 gonna be tough for them. Like talent wise, you that you can argue with both teams, but. I think Brazil has a slight slighter edge in talent, but Argentina just played with a ton of heart so far. They've played together as a team, and it it just seems like they're having fun on the field. Like nothing's been so super serious. So I feel like I think I want I really want Brazil to hang on and take this, and I and I do think they will. That just might might come with a little bias though. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Brazil is the better squad on paper, and and they'll be the favorites in this match. But also want to point out that they they've dominated this tournament a lot more than uh, I mean Argentina has also been on a flame, but Brazil is also winning games three and zero and four and zero to stop start, and then they kind of slid off the gas, and they've been kind of cruising. The opposite effect for Argentina, I would say, is. They started off really slow, and then all of a sudden they hit the gas pedal hard, winning their last three games, 4-1, 3-0, and then finally the 1-1 uh, penalty win versus Colombia. And, and Messi had a lot to say in that game, talking a lot of of uh, garbage to the uh, Colombia players after the game, which I thought was pretty interesting because you don't really see that side of him, but... If I had to put a prediction on it, I would definitely say uh, that Brazil, with with the defense that they've been playing, would win this game two to one. I mean, it's gonna be all it's gonna be Messi. It's gonna be all eyes on Messi because if you give him enough free kicks, he's gonna capitalize. And and I would give that about a forty percent chance to capitalize. So I don't know. You give him five free kicks, and this game could get pretty interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, all eyes will be on Messi today. I mean, excuse me, tomorrow. And um, we're, we're gonna, um, we've seen plenty of times how he responds under pressure. And it's just a question of can he do it again? I mean, this is going to be one of the biggest games in his life. Like every Copa America final is for him. It's I, I, I can't, I don't want to see uh, him go away heartbroken again, but. This this Brazil team plays with no fear either. I mean, led by Neymar, they 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 seemed virtually unstoppable throughout the tournament. And Messi's been, I mean, he's hungry. He's very hungry. And I I just I just want to see like how he responds to uh, the attacking player Brazil because I mean throughout the whole tournament, really Brazil's just they've been at their their gas their their foot's been on the pedal. And it's, they've just been hammering, hammering, hammering. No no really uh, conservative play out of them, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's going to be about whether Argentina can, can keep attacking it uh, and keeping Brazil on the opposite side of the field because they're very dominant when the midfielders play in an attacking form when, when they can spread the ball out and 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 that's going to be a problem for Argentina because I think a lot of their star power is, is loaded into their offense. But we'll have to see. I mean, anything can happen in these games, and it's what makes every single one so interesting. This is why the fans tune in because anybody, 
can win these tournaments. Right. That brings us into the Euro Championships, which we'll be watching uh, in Wembley. England will play Italy, so home crowd advantage, but the Italian crowd is relatively loud. This has kind of been what we're waiting for when we saw the round of 16. Italy unbeaten in 33 matches. 33. They've only been behind in three of those 33. And they have 23 matches where they have had zero goals allowed. I, I, I'm, I'm, this is a relatively new stat for me, so I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that, that that's what it is. But uh, to, to the credit to England, I mean, I know that sets up pretty pretty badly, pretty poorly, but England, if anybody can can like kind of uh, really mess with it, it's, it, it's England. They, they've been playing confidently, to say the least. And I think that would be the perfect way to describe it. They've been playing confidently. And, and in, in the last game versus Denmark, you can point out that it was a 2-1 and, and they won on a on a penalty. But they, they dominated a lot of that second half. Yeah, and, and you, we knew they, they were, were going to win. Yeah, the, it, it, the goal was coming. It, it was just kind of a question of when it was coming because um, the Denmark team just wasn't fit enough. I think the big thing for England is, is can they stay – can they keep the the ball moving, and can they keep possession? Because they played Spain played a high percentage of possession. They didn't generate a lot of attacks, which I think England will. But if they they also kept Italy off the gas, and and Italy had to score their their first half goal, uh, I mean their uh, their regulation goal on a counter attack, which England is much better suited for with those quick defenders. So if they can keep possession, they're going to win this game. Yeah, I like you said, I feel like everything, you know, England has home field advantage pretty much, and everything's been going their way. And I, I want to kind of compare it here to, like, the Phoenix Suns. Like, it just seems like they, they got everyone on their side. They're a fun team to watch. They got Chris Paul. Everyone wants him to win. They got Devin Booker, probably one of the most fun players to watch in today's game. And I feel like you could relate that to England. I mean, the fans are – I mean, obviously the fans are wanting them to win. They got home court adva- or home field advantage. And there's like – you can't really hate them. They, they've just been such a fun team to watch. And like you said, it's going to be a question of whether they can keep that percentage um, because when it comes down to a team uh, like Italy, like – they, they they can they can get going at any second any moment when you give them a chance like we saw in that Belgium game like Belgium gave it away they they turned it over a lot but when Italy got their shot they they were able to take advantage get on easy breakaways yeah i mean yeah the counterattack is so dangerous for Italy and, and and i know there's a lot of hate on the england side for the manager south for for Gareth Southgate but I mean, oh, they're so close. They're so close, and yeah. they've had heartbreak like this before. And I think that's why the fans aren't excited as you you would believe them to be. But the hype is kind of building for England, and and it's kind of a scary sight because of how how down they were after the World Cup. Because I think it was safe to say almost the they, they, really anybody in the country that watches soccer, and and a lot of that country does watch soccer. 
it was heartbreaking. I mean, it's going to be heartbreaking for any country to go that far in, in the biggest tournament in the world. So, I mean, I, th- I think the factor is going to be whether England has enough rest for this tournament and whether they are for this final, I mean, and whether they can keep up with Italy. Because if you remember, Italy played the day before them. So yep. Italy also has a little bit more time than them to get ready for this game. But they have home field advantage. So, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, you, you lose 24 hours to get a little bit extra fans, which I think is pretty important. Yeah, it's it. I, in my opinion, it's England's to lose. Yeah, that, that that's bold. I I don't know if I'd go that far, but I I do believe. I I think they would have to to. Do, I think I think England will keep the possession like Spain, and I think that's what will lead them to win this game. But I do think it's gonna it's gonna be very difficult and. and I feel like we're a bit biased in America going for England. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that they can win. But I also feel like it's a bit biased to pick them. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think it, it is might be a little bit biased here, but I, I don't know. I just, I home field advantage. They, they've just been playing so great. I can't see them losing, but... Again, this Italy team has been has been proving us wrong, and like I, I want England to win, but I mean, yeah, Italy's got a great roster, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to quiet England. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it would be no shocker to anybody, and and what would suck the the thing that's gonna suck the most for the the people that don't care about either one of these teams is you're probably going to watch a very draining match on uh, Sunday. It, it's probably going to be very boring. England likes to play a uh, – a, they like to attack when they can, but otherwise they like to hold the ball, and, and a lot of their games will end up drawing out for 1-0 wins. And then you have the Italian side, which is superb on defense. And like I said earlier, so many clean sheets in the rest. 30 matches so i mean yeah it, it should be a, a one 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 zero fair i mean we might see a high scoring by some miracle but otherwise we're going to be watching a very boring final in wembley make sure you guys tune into that one at 2 p.m to see yep. if the english if Eng- the english can finish this one off and bring the euro cup home I mean, that wraps up this episode. I mean, Cash, you have anything else to add? No, I mean, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. A lot going on, and wouldn't want to miss it. So I, I hope everyone tunes in to those soccer games, and the ESPYs will be fun. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back on another episode Monday. Excuse me, uh, Monday, yeah, Monday. All right, that's it for today's episode. Make sure you guys check out our social medias on Instagram, Twitter, Bleacher Report uh, and any other social media that you have and make sure to listen to continue listening and maybe listen on an old episode